This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week, it is book 66. Who's to blame? <gasps> um, I mean, it is still Ned, isn't it? It is, yes. Uh, Even though, like, yeah, Alice isn't, doesn't really cover herself in glory in this no. one, though. So, hmm. <laughs> Neither of them do, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. But it's, as you'll see, it's Elizabeth who thinks she's to blame. Yeah. As, uh, so let's get started with some taglines and blurbs to give everybody a hint of what's to come. It lies in store. Yes, so our cover tagline is, Elizabeth is running away. I mean, again, that's something that happens, like, in the last, I don't know, fifth of the book. It's it's, it's very misleading in terms mm. of plot points, yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. <laughs> they keep doing this. They do. <laughs> They keep revealing stuff that happens like at the very end of the book in the like, yeah, last minute cliffhanger stuff. And it's like, guess what happens? Thanks, guys. As I'll read the rest of this 130 pages in order to build myself up to this exciting denouement. Well, the back cover tagline, which is, I don't know, slightly irrelevant, I think, to the book. Yeah, definitely. Sacrifices. Like who's making the sacrifices? I have no idea what's going on there. Did they just have they just got like a, a I was going to say a word generator, but it's the eighties <laughs> and early nineties, so it's a it's a bag of words, yeah. a bag of magnets in a bag or something, it is. and it's, it's like magnetic poetry. And they're pull just... out a sticker, see what's on it, <laughs> sacrifices. Boom, we're yeah. done. <laughs> who's making them? I don't know. Um, maybe maybe Jessica's turned to witchcraft and is uh, some sort of dark magic and is making human sacrifices, but. We never we don't find out. It's just a random oh. word just chucked in the back. <laughs> There's some fan fiction right there for you. <laughs> Ooh, well, knock yourselves out there, listeners. 
Well, can you give us the full blurb, which I'm sure is spoilerific as well? Oh, look, as ever. Okay. Uh, Right. So Elizabeth and Jessica Wakefield's parents have separated. (gasps) Mr. Wakefield has moved into an apartment of his own and the house seems empty without him. Elizabeth has never been so miserable. She would do anything to bring her family together again. Then Jessica tells her twin that she thinks their parents' separation is all Elizabeth's fault. Uh, Jessica, (laughs) just the worst. Uh, Yes, anyway, distraught and guilt-ridden, Elizabeth decides to move away from home. If she really is the cause of her parents' unhappiness, perhaps they'll get back together once she's out of their way. I I mean, she goes away for, spoiler alert everybody, she goes away for a single night. Literally, it's a sleepover. Like It's a glorified fucking sleepover. So even the fact that they make it sound like she's running away from home, apart from it being misleading and that it's not the whole plot of the book, it also doesn't really happen at all. No, it doesn't. We've been sold a pup here, Anna, I swear to God. And not for the first time. (laughs) They've had form in this regard. For shame, Francine, for shame. (laughs) Why must you tease us? (laughs) Um, is there any more in the blurb or was that the oh that was it yeah oh, it just it? Ends with, yeah if the if, uh, once she is out of their way it's just like dot 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 there's no question or anything at the end like we usually get oh, just trailing off well a bit just... like this book because again we don't really get a proper conclusion yeah this is definitely a three parter yeah it's like they just lost interest as they were writing the blurb on the back and it's like can you blame them yeah. <laughs> I mean this isn't the most exciting book listeners just going to warn you right now but yeah. uh, it it does have a pretty great cover it does in, in the grand tradition of uh, <laughs> twins <laughs> running away <laughs> it's like this is Liz's turn for her um, her running away cover oh, like Jessica true. had her own one with her sad look over the shoulder uh, so yeah so it's Liz um, allegedly running away mm. um, she's very dramatically looking to camera and wiping a single tear away <gasps> from her oh. eyes um she has a little backpack over her shoulder like you're not going to get much into that so I don't know where she thinks she's going with her little backpack <laughs> it's like one of those brown leather ones yep um there's something sticking out of it but I don't know oh, Ooh, it's it, just like an envelope for the it, letter that she sends oh, that I think that's right I think yeah. it does have the vibe of that she has a bindle like a depression era hobo <laughs> Sort of it is that kind of like yeah like um, spot a tanky like on a stick little bit because it's like a drawstring top kind of bag so yep. it would have the right shape for the bindle for yep. sure bindle yeah. energy very uh, true um and the top she's wearing i genuinely can't slag it off because i own one pretty much exactly the same as oh, this. i own several <laughs> we love a french stripe That's on this podcast <laughs> bit of a breton vibe all right Indeed. Yeah. So it's it's a yeah blue and white stripes, long sleeve top. It's actually got a little kind of green um, ring around the collar. Oh. It's 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 a nice top. Like I say, like we both own clothes <laughs> like this. So we're not really in a position to slag her off. No. I, uh, I quite enjoy her fashion on this cover. Oh, same here. So it's a rare day when Liz is wearing clothes that we would wear. Very true. Um, ah. Yeah. And she has a we can see a single white barrette in the hair. as well. So <laughs> Just true the form. one. Just, oh, just the one, yes. She <laughs> Maybe wearing... it's just a bag full of barrettes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Is she wearing the Lavalier? Or La- Lavalier? Lavalier? Not, that, mm, not that we can see. Mm. It might be just, yeah. See underneath. underneath her breath on top. I believe so, yes. <sighs> well, poor old Liz. I do feel sorry for her in this book, but the book is not, it's still not great. So, again, yeah. be warned. <laughs> so let's 
dive right into the story, such as it is, which begins with Liz waking up from a happy dream of family togetherness to find Jessica demanding that she get out of bed because something momentous is happening in the Wakefield home. Oh, man. And also, this is quite weird, the way it's all unfolding, because, um, yeah, Jessica's like, you better hurry up and get dressed. Daddy finished packing his stuff a half an hour ago. We've all eaten breakfast, too. So it's like the day that Ned is moving out and no one thought to wake Liz. So maybe they could all have breakfast together one last time for the foreseeable. No, it's like, nah, she's grandly proud. <laughs> Very lie in. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, Jessica doesn't give a shit about Ned moving out. In fact, she says, it's not the end of the world. Dad's only going to be a few miles away. We can visit him whenever we want to. He's going to take us out to dinner and do things with us all the time. I think it'll be kind of fun. Which, understandably, baffles Liz. Who's like, like, I can't even believe we're related. So strange. Yeah, like, and it's not even that they're making it out that Jessica's just been in denial this whole time, really. No. Like, this is just how she feels about it. Yeah, like, there's no indication that this is, she does, you know... As you say, she's not in denial. She, she she accepts it's going on and she seems to quite like it. Yeah, it's just the weirdest reaction. <laughs> it really is. Well, we get a recap of the last uh, the book and the breakdown of the Wakefield marriage and uh, along with the twin comparison, of course. Of course. And Liz gets up and puts on a very typical Liz outfit, which I presume we will hear about at the end. Uh, you know what? No, we have... Uh, quite a few outfits <gasps> in this one so I think we can go for this because there's no real detail but yeah it is a, a boring ass Liz outfit <laughs> so this one doesn't qualify for the end <laughs> well, can, can you tell us what it is such as such as it is I know she's so exciting um, yeah she goes over to her closet and grabs chinos and a sweater chino again with the chinos, chinos. Oh my. just wear a pair of jeans you losers <laughs> <laughs> I wonder does she iron the pleats in like her brother? Oh, that's right, the razor sharp creases. <laughs> it is, it is tanned to slacks. Oh God! Well, when she's dressed, Jessica tells her that Alice has already gone into the office, and uh, Jessica thinks this is pretty rude, huh? Uh, at least she could have, you know, waited until he left. But Elizabeth rightly believes that Alice probably. You know, it's finding this very difficult, unlike Indeed. Jessica. Yeah, not everyone is just shrugging this off and easy breezy with the whole thing, but yeah. Well, oh. In the garage, uh, Ned is loading the car with Stephen's help. So, yeah, surprise, surprise, Alice doesn't want to like help him pack. And Liz takes a slightly weird moment to notice how hot her family are. She, she does do this every so often. <laughs> Oh, or is it usually Jessica that notices how hot their dad is? I think both of them are as bad as each other when it comes I to think this. You're right. Like they've both done this before, and it's always fucking weird. Yes, and especially as it's like her brother as well, which adds to it. <laughs> Stop it! It's like you never guess that dad is old enough to be Stephen's father. Elizabeth thought both the dark hair and eyes, broad shoulders, and nice smiles. Stephen looked grown up for his age, and Ned Wakefield still looked young. Young and handsome, Elizabeth thought with a pang. Think of all the women who are going to want to date him. Uh, Why? Okay. Why are you thinking <laughs> Dr. Freud? <laughs> Why? I mean, I guess the logic is that she thinks he's so hot that he'll be snapped up and now he's sort of single. But it yeah. kind of sounds like she's perfect on both her dad and her brother. 
Oh God, yeah. I think the less time spent on this scene, the better. <laughs> well, instead of being disturbed by her own thoughts, Liz is disturbed when she sees just how much stuff Ned is taking, like all his legal textbooks and you know, uh, fixtures of his office, and she starts wondering. Yeah. Is this a sign that like he's really gone for good? He's taking the stuff that you you might need as opposed to just like emergency. I'm just away for a few weeks. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's the stuff from his study and everything is going with him. So as you say, it's not like a, you know, I'll be gone for a few nights. It's like, no, he is he is moving out. Yeah, properly. Well, mm. well, he remembers that Liz hasn't had any breakfast because no one bothered to wake her up. So he's like, <laughs> grab a muffin, Liz, so you can come along and see my new place. Uh, so they all follow Ned in Stephen's car. And Jessica is just babbling on without a care in the world about Ned running for mayor. That's all she cares about. She's obsessed with this mayoral thing. Yeah. And again, again, it's not that she's in denial. She's just really fucking weird. Like she just... <laughs> doesn't react to things like any kind of normal person would. <laughs> it's true. Like, Liz can't believe that Ned is actually running for mayor, especially now. And Stephen uh, is like, oh, you know, I think he's just putting on a brave face and trying to be positive. And Jess basically gives out to them for being such donors. <laughs> like, you're following your dad to his sad divorce apartment. Like, oh, God, there's no way that's going to be a cheerful apartment like. Seriously. Uh, and when they arrive there, Liz feels sad. It's like just this generic six-story tall building. And she thinks of the split-level ranch house and her heart oh. aches. Oh, no. There's no Spanish tiles in this sad little beige kitchen. No. Though Jess, Jess is impressed by its dimmer switches. I, I didn't <laughs> think she'd be that easily wowed. There you go. You can buy her with some dimmer switches. Now we know. Because even Ned sort of has a moment where he looks really sad as he looks up at his new life. But then he pulls himself together. And when Stephen suggests that, you know, after they've got all the, the stuff in, uh, Stephen suggests they go for lunch. But Ned has to meet Hank Patman for like a, I don't know, a some power lunch. Yeah, at... I guess some kind of meeting that they're having. Yeah, and Jessica asks if they can come over for dinner soon and then says sure thing but don't forget I'm not such a hot cook no you certainly are not that you literally let your children cook for you rather than boil some fucking pasta that's so true he didn't lift a finger when they were all like waiting around for dinner so it was just like Liz make dinner for fuck's sake <laughs> by the I way has he ever made a dinner honestly no, I don't think he has by the way a few people uh, felt our pain over the abandonment of the ragu last week <laughs> the sauce debacle <laughs> yes it, uh, it, it hurt everyone's feelings <laughs> uh, well God, Ned is going to be sitting there with his, all the ready meals he, is, he can eat uh, seeing as his <laughs> lack of his lack of cooking skills has been shown and then he tells the kids, look, I know that how hard this is for you, but it's only temporary and your mother and I love you very much. Um, but obviously Liz is heartbroken as they drive off. Oh, it's it very sad. grim. And he, it's so sad. And even when he says that bit, it's like even the, the surroundings are so grim as well, because it's like, as he says that, like Elizabeth stared hard at a faint stain in the carpet. She didn't want to look up. She was afraid she'd burst into tears if she looked at her father. And it's like, oh, God, like, it's really sad. And also this apartment sounds gross. Like, there's, no, <laughs> there's nothing good about this. <laughs> it's true. Not even the dimmer switches can redeem it. Yeah. Keep that dimmer switch all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> Hide the stains. <laughs> Next day, Liz is hoping that the usual Sunday br Wakefield brunch will, you know, ease the tension a bit. But things do not go 
according to plan for her. Because first of all, Alice uh, comes downstairs and says she has to go on a, some sort of work errand. By the way, we're told that she, of course, that she looks more like the twins' older sister than their mother. And again, I am about the same age as the Wakefield parents and there was no fucking way anybody would think that a woman in her 40s has <laughs> looks young enough to have 16-year-old sisters. <laughs> Unless they're like a second family fathered by her 80-year-old dad. Very true. <laughs> um, well, Jess uh, is pissed off that Alice is going off and says, no wonder dad left. Oh, God. Yeah, and she calls the, the new project with the mall ridiculous, which we might recall, like, a week ago, you thought you were going to get a bit of the mall named after you when you were all Marsh. <laughs> That's right. She was so into it. She was fully delusional about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they end up having a big fight with Jessica taking Ned's side and Steve taking Alice's. And it really, you know, the tension really escalates. Uh, and Liz tries to keep the peace. But eventually Jessica says, basically, you know, lots of people I know, parents who split up and they're perfectly fine. And lists all her pals with divorced parents. Says Lila, that's not a great example. Oh, definitely not, no. Uh, but she basically tells Li- uh, Je- Elizabeth and Stephen that they're just making a mountain out of a molehill. Oh, yeah, it's bad. It's, um, yeah, everyone's just, I suppose, yeah, as you say, tensions are high. They're all just snapping at each other and taking sides. And Liz is kind of trying not to take sides, obviously, because I suppose it's no, well, I was going to say it's not no one person's fault, but it is a lot of Ned's fault. It is. I mean, there's a side to be taken. It is Alice's, but I guess they are her parents. She doesn't see them the way we do. Of course, yes. There's not uh, so much objectivity going on. No. As <laughs> But uh, yeah, basically Jessica storms off and accuses Liz of being preachy and Stephen storms off too because he's pissed off the whole situation and Liz feels quite despairing. So she goes over to to Enid's house on her bike and Enid is brilliant throughout this book. She really is. Just the voice of reason and is obviously coming from a place of understanding because Uh she's been through all this. Like, yeah, she's great in this. She really is. Yeah. Um, so she remembers when her own dad moved out and how tough it was. And Liz asks her, do you think I'm the sort of person who causes fights? And of course, Edith is like, you, Elizabeth Wakefield, heaven forbid. St. Elizabeth, absolutely not. <laughs> but in fairness to Edith, when Liz tells her, you know, oh, I gave my mom's work the number and, you know, I didn't tell my dad not to go to that law fraternity party. I mean, that's really pushing, you know, clutching at straws in terms oh. of her own culpability. But... Massively so, yes. But Enid gives wise counsel and says, look, I don't blame you for feeling this way, but can't you see how crazy it is? Like, this is your parents' business. All you can do is be supportive and wait it out. It's not your fault. But Liz just can't believe her. Yeah, and like, as you said, like, Enid is great. She's like, because even, yeah, Liz is like, oh, I guess you're right. Enid's like, I know I'm right. Like, there's no way this is your fault and you have to stop thinking like that. Yeah. And Liz is like, but of course Enid would say that because she's her friend. And, you know, she'd never blame her for it. And it's like, no, listen to her. She yes. knows what she's talking about. And actually, like, Enid, that really validates her feelings because she she keeps saying, look, I understand why you feel this way, but it's really yeah. not logical. Like, it's just, you know, I, let me help you see reason. But it'll be a while before Liz sees reason, sadly. Mm. Back at the Casa Del Wakefield. By the way, I know I always call it the Casa Del Wakefield, which I know means the house of the Wakefield. And really, I guess it should be Casa de los Wakefields. Wakefield. Oh, yeah. 
But I can't I can't help it now. I just just imagine that the <laughs> Wakefield is a concept. I'm sorry, Spanish <laughs> Spanish speaking listeners. Um so yes, back at the castle, they, uh, Alice has arrived home with stuff to make tacos and um, Jess and Stephen are out and Liz thinks making tacos for two doesn't seem like a lot of fun. I can assure you, Liz, it is. <laughs> it's a very defeatist attitude she has there, isn't it? <laughs> As somebody who just lives with her husband, uh, we make tacos for two quite regularly. And yeah. delicious it is as well. <laughs> so... Come on, Liz. Uh, well, anyway, they eat their grim, miserable meal. <laughs> God, if anything, like making them for two sounds like better fun because it's less fucking work to do. Like. Yes, and less hassle trying to make sure yeah. they're all heated up and, uh, and that you've gotten off and that everybody's served at the same time. No. Yeah, there's no issue here. No. Um, but Alice, I have to say, like, I'm, I'm on her side generally, but I don't think the way she talks to Liz now is really mm. appropriate. No, definitely not. Because, yeah, she says, like, do you think, you know, your dad's eating all by himself somewhere? And, you know, oh, if I hadn't overreacted so often, allowed my work to intrude. Oh, I learnt my lesson the hard way. My career matters to me, but not enough to let him drive away my husband. As my notes say, your husband is a fucking baby. (laughs) This is very true. And also this conversation she's having, like, this is not something you say to your 16 year old daughter who's already like feeling guilty and blaming herself as I guess kids are wont to do in these kinds of situations like this is a conversation you have with your best friend over wine at some point so like get a friend Alice and unload onto them because this is not a conversation for your kids exactly Um, we never really hear about Alice having friends Mm. (laughs) I mean (laughs) are we surprised just let that one lie there with your listeners (laughs) Well, of course, this convinces Liz even more that it was her fault for giving Alice's work the number, you know, because, oh, if Alice, it's even Alice th- says that it was her commitment to work that drove Ned out of her arms. So Liz is thinking of her own contribution and she's not in a good place. Mm. The next day in the cafeteria, Jess finds Amy and Lila and uh, they want her opinion on something. Because they've got, they're planning an event. <laughs> what is this event, Karen? Uh, well, they've decided uh, to, that Pi Beta Alpha are going to throw a dance. They haven't <gasps> had a sorority party in ages. Really? <laughs> have you not? I'm pretty sure you have. I mean, yeah, apparently there hasn't been a dance in so long that they're just way overdue. I mean, I'm pretty uh, sure the last. Dance. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the last time there was a formal dance at Sweet Valley High was about five books ago. Like it is not. Yeah, it's it's and and as well the way the time works in these things is usually like days or like a week between <laughs> books. So there's no way they've gone more than a month without a formal dance. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, um, they're they're still starved of dance opportunities. I mean, <laughs> um, so Jess is is oh totally up for it, especially as she says that the uh, a Pi Beta Alpha party would be the perfect place for her to invite Charlie. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, old party line Charlie. <laughs> uh, by the way, we did hear from listeners about party lines, and they were very much a thing. They like really were. I was kind of surprised, but yeah, like people and some people did get sucked in, not unlike Jessica. Yep. 
uh, I think was it Paula on Instagram was saying that her and her friend oh, uh, kind yes. of got into one where, but it was like you'd record a message uh, and then you could go into like a private chat with somebody and you'd kind of leave each other messages so it was like a series of voicemails rather than live chat but still mm. super expensive and I think they ended up running up a bill of like 300 pounds on the phone bill <laughs> like oh. I read it and I felt a bit sick so um ouch <laughs> I know it did yeah. sound uh it it sounds like it genuinely was both addictive and expensive yeah and somebody else said that there, it was uh how um how do you solve a problem like Maria and um, said uh, that her older sister got into it much to the consternation of our parents and the phone bill Oof. so uh yeah somebody else sent us a link to a story about um, party lines, like that they were a proper phenomenon. It was a proper epidemic. Like, yeah, there was, I think it was that Maria, I think I wrote her name down, Maria Ticardi on Twitter yeah. sent us on that link. Yeah. So it was like a proper like epidemic. And there was like town meetings about teenagers getting sucked into these party yeah. lines and running up massive bills and a whole like concerned parents kind of thing. So yeah, it was a proper, a proper problem. <laughs> Well done, Sweet Valley, for well done and Francine for reflecting. They nailed it. The they truly nailed it, and and we mocked them for it. I know. Okay, we we'll take we apologise for that because who knows if these sort of situations were taking place all over America in the late eighties? Who would have known? Well, um, the other like Jessica has been bagging on about Charlie, her party line boy, to Lila and Amy, and they're fed up with hearing about this imaginary man. And uh, Jessica insists that she will bring him to the soror- the Pi Beta Alpha party, mm. um, which means she's sort of given herself a deadline to sort something out. True, to get to figure this thing out. That's it. Because through the whole last book, it was just him making excuses not to meet her. So it was all getting shadier and shadier the longer it went. So we're still oh. we're still in limbo here where she hasn't met him yet. Very much so. Well, later, Jess arrives home to find poor old Alice looking a bit sad like she might have been crying oh um but when jessica hands over the mail which she's just collected from the postbox alice is horrified by a giant phone bill oh i mean yeah as you would because clearly like things aren't going great at the minute in the old casa and the last (laughs) thing they need is a massive fucking phone bill um yeah so like when she opens it she's like oh my god there must be a mistake because like this is crazy yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's a bill for like 375 dollars <laughs> so yeah she is not impressed no and jessica initially tries to explain it by saying that oh yeah there was a mistake uh with Li- with lila's family had a similar experience a weirdo was calling japan and giving their phone card number i don't know how that would affect your landline but yeah. anyway <laughs> Um, unsurprisingly this feeble excuse does not hold especially when Alice realises that there's loads of 900 um, 900 numbers which is you know a prefix for a party line yeah and Liz comes in just as Alice is asking like have you been ringing one of these numbers so she can't really lie True, yeah, because I mean, Liz will, well, not that Liz usually sells her out, but I mean, she just feels like she can't straight up lie to their mother in front of her, yeah. in fairness. And she can't blame Liz in front True. of Liz. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's kind of trapped now at this stage. So she has to tell all, and understandably, Alice is 
enraged and in a low blow. Jessica says, I only started calling the party line because I was lonely. I didn't have anyone to talk to. And you and Daddy were so busy fighting <laughs> each other. I couldn't turn to you guys. And luckily, Alice does not buy this shit for oh, a thank second. God. Yeah, I was so glad she did. I was really worried she was going to because Jessica is such a manipulative little bitch. Like she pulls <laughs> off things like this all the time. And like, this is such a snaky little move. But oh. yeah, Alice is like, absolutely not, not having it. This is not the case. Like she says, uh, yeah, blaming something like this on your father and me isn't fair and you know it. And I don't like your attitude at all. So she actually gives it to her and it's like, fucking yeah. tell her off, please. Because like, oh, she keeps getting away with shit. I know, it's actually a massive relief. That yeah, she tells is. her it's bad enough being resp- irresponsible and running up a huge bill, but trying to hide it and blame it on others is even worse. Yes. Absolutely. So she's going to suspend Jessica's allowance until she's paid back the bill. Good. Yeah, like more than fair. Yeah. And when Jessica's like, but oh, what will I do for money? Alice says, you might have to get a part-time job until this debt is repaid. Well, <laughs> unique boutique is always looking for temporary <laughs> staff. They have a very high turnover of staff that place. <laughs> and sure, didn't Caroline get the job there in order to pay for car repairs or something? So it seems to be the place that, you know, teens go to when they have debts <laughs> to their parents. Just short term jobs. Yeah, S- settle a debt and off you go. <laughs> so, of course, Jessica thinks, Daddy would never do this to me. Daddy oh. would understand. <laughs> She's such a little wagon. Oh, well. As we will see the next day when she drops in unannounced to Ned. By the way, she says, how's the race from here? Are you winning? Does she understand how votes work? <laughs> like what? I would say no, emphatically <laughs> not. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> well, she tells her sob story um, and inexplicably, like I don't know how you could really sugarcoat running up a nearly 400 quid phone bill in a month. Uh, Ned thinks that Alice was a bit harsh. Oh, like this is, it's shitty. Well, Jessica's shitty in the first place, but that's always how she is. True. But the fact that Ned is just like, yeah, that sounds harsh. I'll talk to your mom about it. Like, fuck off, Ned. Back her up, for God's sake. Exactly. Like, it's not like this is a particular, you know, she hasn't grounded her or, lock, no. you know, it's not like she's been locked up in a cage. It's, <laughs> it's extremely reasonable. Yeah. Um, by the way, I know I just said like I was equating being grounded and being locked up in a cage. I wasn't uh, <laughs> meaning to apply there. <laughs> equal punishments but I mean she's literally this is the bare minimum I think yeah definitely Um. so uh, yeah Ned says I'll straighten it out Jess is delighted and for a second she finally realises she actually misses having him in the house and decides that if her parents get divorced and her father moves far away she will just go wherever he went she could be like Lila who lived alone with her father and got everything she wanted and if Mr. Wakefield was elected mayor of Sweet Valley, the whole town would be hers. I, I don't uh, even know what to say to that. <laughs> My notes just say, Jesus Christ. Like, what, what does she think being the mayor is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does she think it's like, she'd be an like, he's going to be an all-powerful dictator. Like, what is there? Yes. He's running for the king of Sweet Valley. <laughs> <laughs> Does she think that, like, when there's, you know, one mayor in Sweet Valley and uh, leaves their post, it's like the death of Stalin and everybody's sort of running around, like, shooting people and, uh, you know, vying to be the heir. Like, it's it seems very melodramatic. I mean, yes, extremely. <laughs> I just... Uh... 
<sighs> I don't understand her at all. Well, she asks if she can live with him if he and Alice don't get back together. And understandably, the thought of, for Ned, the thought of not being reconciled with his wife upsets him, but she doesn't even notice. Oh, God. Yeah, she uh, yeah she even like realises what she said wasn't very tactful. But then she's like, but she didn't care. It was what she was feeling. And she had to look out for herself, didn't she? <laughs> That's <laughs> words to live by if you're Seriously. Jessica. <laughs> Honestly, the most mercenary bitch you ever did come across. So she gets home and she rings Charlie, who's all like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so glad you rung. I was going to expire if you didn't ring me. And uh, <laughs> she thinks he's hilarious for some reason. But um, she insists, she think, or she feels that she has to meet him soon because she's getting tired of, quote, conducting a long distance romance with a boy who lived practically next door. So she's running out of patience, basically. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of stringing this along for too long at this stage. Mm. And yeah, she's she's not going to have it for much longer. The next day, Pi Beta Alpha announced their party. And it sounds like it'll be quite a dramatic affair. Oh my God, quite the shindig. It's going to be a costume party. Yes, we love a sweet body costume party. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I punched the air when I read this. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's going to be complete with dancing, refreshments and a prize for the best costumes. So everybody's talking about it. It's going to be amazing. There's posters up all over the school and uh, everybody's super excited. Yeah, and we're also told again, it seems like a long time since there had been, been a big party or dance at school. No, it doesn't. Like This is just a lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, OK, keep telling yourself this, sweet valiants. Can't go for more than like five days without some sort of school gym shenanigans <laughs> well amy jibes sort of has a jibe about charlie going as the invisible man Jess <laughs> lies and inexplicably says she has a roller skating date with him at the weekend i love it oh my god it's like how is this the first thing that comes to mind i mean i guess it's the 80s maybe roller <laughs> skating has come back at that point but yeah she's um yeah she's she's they're going on a date they're going roller skating Amy's like, oh, really? Which roller rink are you going to? The one downtown. How <laughs> so many roller like, rinks are there? There's, it's obviously a booming business <laughs> in Sweet Valley. But yeah, Amy's not letting up for a second and she's she's fact finding on all this. Yeah, she's going to come along and have a, and spy on them uh, to see for herself and prove whether this Charlie exists or not. So um, <laughs> yeah, Jess is really under pressure now. Meanwhile, Liz is in the Oracle when Todd appears and says, Todd Wilkins, rescue sword. <laughs> oh, Todd. <laughs> uh, I'm here to whisk you away to a beautiful beach. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, uh, he's all excited about this fancy dress party. Uh, yeah, he's got some ideas as well <laughs> for what they can go as. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, he's all amped up for the party. And he's like, uh, have you given any thought about what we should dress up as? He's like, how about Bonnie and Clyde? I could wear a fedora and try to look dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you do have the murderous urges. But Very true. Yeah. Uh, and he keeps going. He's like, we could go as Batman and Catwoman or as the King and Queen of Hearts. But like Liz kind of isn't really paying much attention she's sort of like oh yeah. she's just not very enthused about the whole thing and Todd just keeps going he's like or oh, what about going as bookends we could make a bunch of books out of cardboard and put them between us and eventually Liz cuts them off but also what the fuck kind of costume is that I think that sounds kind of amazing though it does sound like they have to be attached to each other physically at all times I think so yeah well um, but yeah Liz uh I think it's the fact or yeah, she's kind of like this isn't, you know, just for couples only and we don't have to be two things. We can you can do something and I'll do my own thing. I think the whole 
couples, couples, couples kind of buzz that he was on is just, uh, yeah, she's not really in the form for that at the minute. But Todd is kind of taken aback by her snappiness mm. and Liz apologises, but she still can't relax. So the whole afternoon is kind of, it's not great, basically. And she she keeps worrying is her is Alice okay and yeah her head's not there no it's really not in it mm. so that evening Stephen turns up and Jess says that uh, he should ring Ned because Ned told her that he hasn't heard from Stephen since he moved out and of course that triggers another fight and when Liz plays peacemaker again Jess turns on her. And then Alice comes home and just when Alice comes home, Ned rings and, you know, it's everything's a bit chaotic. And even though Alice is happy initially to hear from Ned, her face lights up. But then she finds out why he's calling and things go downhill. God, yeah, like it's already frantic enough to begin with. And then, yeah, as you say, she uh, she's chatting to Ned and it turns out that obviously he's ringing about Jessica's punishment for running up a massive fucking phone bill. And of course, Alice is not impressed that Ned is trying to undercut like what she's already sorted out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's like, look, I don't think this is. Uh, oh, yeah. First of all, that's not what happened because Jessica had some kind of sob story about it. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, that's not what the case was. And I don't think it's appropriate for you to undermine my judgment in this either, which is absolutely right. And she's like, look, we should talk about this later. Uh, so it ends up kind of not being a very nice phone call. Um, yeah it's it's all very tense and weird and also Ned just back up your wife for fuck's sake like what's yeah. the matter with you Jesus Christ <sighs> so yep they uh the tension is still there pretty much all the rest of the evening and yeah Jessica stomps off after dinner and slams her door not once but twice <laughs> I did enjoy that. Yeah. I mean, know she's dramatic, but the fact that she gets such satisfaction out of slamming her door, she's like, ooh, that sounded really good. So she does it again and goes, <laughs> take that, scowling. <laughs> I mean, I guess we've all been in one of those moods, so yeah. True. <laughs> so she rings Charlie and is basically, uh, look, we're going to have to meet. Uh, we're going round to skating on Saturday. And to her surprise, Charlie agrees. <gasps> Finally. Yeah. And he's uh, he's got a way to make sure he he's recognised. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So he's uh, he says he's going to carry a red rose with him. He's like, that's what they do in old movies, right? <laughs> Jessica's only delighted. Yeah. Next day, Elizabeth can't concentrate. Oh my god! <laughs> and neither can we. <laughs> okay, even though she um, she is in English class. With Mr. Collins! Oh my god, he's back! He's back! <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> we haven't seen him since he was like standing between Liz and a bomb! Oh, he was so heroic. And even then, like that was uh, like a super edition. So in terms of like the main books, oh he hasn't God. been here in fucking ages. It's been so long. So this is extremely welcome. Oh, yes. we're delighted to see you, Roger. And uh, we're told that um, usually English was one of Elizabeth's favourite classes. She loved her teacher, Roger Collins. Uh, And we're told that he was demanding but fair and one of the best liked teachers in school. Elizabeth had gotten to know him very well by working on the newspaper. She really valued his opinions. But uh, she can't concentrate on his his insights today because he's talking about Othello, uh, which they're studying in class. And he asks any, um, asks the class, you know, if anyone can tell him why the love between Othello and Desdemona breaks down in the play, which is just a cue for Elizabeth to think, why does love ever break down? Oh, God. (laughs) And her eyes fill with tears. Oh, yeah, she's very melodramatic and... uh... 
yeah, distant in mm. this. And Mr. Collins has been asking her a question. She hasn't even heard. So you know <laughs> things are bad if she can't hear the sweet tones of Mr. Collins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not paying attention in class and it's not like her. <gasps> well, something else isn't like her because it uh, gets worse. Um, at the end of the class, Mr. Collins hands back their, the class's essays and he says, you know, that they all pretty much almost all of them did a great job mm. <laughs> but when Elizabeth gets hers there is a shock in store instead of her usual A nice job uh, yeah there's no grade on the paper <gasps> she's stunned there's a note uh, yeah so he says that uh, he's he's worried about her and uh, that she just seems really far away in class yeah and, he wants to see uh, her after class and talk in person yeah um, and yeah, he's, uh, as you said, he's she's far away in class and he asks her, he says this this essay she did just, you know, was a real wash job and it's not up to her standards. And I hoped that she would confide in Mr. Collins. Me too. This is like a moment ripe for some counselling or like good advice from good old Roger. But uh, yeah, she just doesn't tell him anything about it. Like she's about to kind of tell him and then stops herself. And knows yeah. that it's the perfect moment to kind of confide in him and tell him what's been going on yeah. at home and that he'd understand. And it's like, yes, and do it, please. Yes. Uh, and she's just like, no, she just says that decides that telling him would make it all more real and permanent. So she's like, oh, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'll try harder next time. And kind of just doesn't tell him anything about what's going on, which is really yeah. frustrating. <laughs> it really is. Because, yeah, as you say, like she... She knows that he would under he would understand and could probably help her. And we get a reminder that like he is divorced, like he is a single parent. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. When when she sort of, you know, brushes him off, Mr. Collins looks all sad and says, "Take care of yourself, Liz. You look tired. Why don't you rewrite the paper for next week?" Oh, just goodbye to Mr. Collins. Oh, just tell him. No. <laughs> he can help. <laughs> and he actually probably could. He's a sensible grown-up. He might get through to her when poor old Edith can't. And he looks so disappointed that she's like, it's heartbreaking. So it's like, just tell him. <laughs> <laughs> and also she feels, which is really sad that, you know, because he's saying he knows she can do a better job with her essay and he's mm. giving her another chance, but she fears that, you know, she's just, she, she can't, this is as good as it's going to get for her at the moment. She's yeah. just not in a good place. And then after school, she goes off for a cycle, just sort of aimlessly around town. And when she gets home, there are a lot of messages from the, the old Toddster. Oh, no. And we know that when Todd rings and she's not home, he rings like every half an hour to see where the fuck she oh is. Oh, my God. Well, in this case, actually, you can't blame him for ringing a lot. Oh, that's true, actually, because at first I was like, Jesus, Todd, would you ever relax? But um, but they were supposed to meet. They were supposed to go to the mall uh, to go shopping. I think, oh, he was he needs to buy a present for his mother for her birthday. That uh, needs Liz there for some reason. Yeah, so he couldn't possibly do it without her. Ew. And he didn't. <laughs> no, didn't even try. <laughs> so lame. Okay, Todd. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in fairness to him, he was worried about her because they were. He was waiting for her for ages. <laughs> she just yeah. didn't show up, and she doesn't. Really, she doesn't really have an excuse. No, she doesn't. That's it. Because he, when he's like, "Where you know, where were you?" Because I tried the Oracle office and the gym, and she's like, "I just went for a bike ride, and it was so nice out. I kind of just forgot about everything else." <laughs> but uh, again, she's like, she can't seem to make herself tell Todd that she's just been upset about everything and didn't, and just felt like being alone. Yeah. Um, she also did legitimately forget about this, but again, she's just like not letting herself 
tell anybody how she's actually feeling. Yeah. Like, she, like she does this a lot in this book she, and it gets very repetitive. It does. It's so frustrating because yeah. Todd asks, look, are you mad at me? And she gets kind of defensive. It's like, well, of course I'm not. Um, and then Todd, you know, I could feel sorry for him for being stood up. But then mm. he says, like, um, again, I need to, to, your help to buy this present. I mean, did you? Uh, and when she says she needed to, you know, keep an eye on her own mother, he's like, but don't forget your boyfriend needs little attention once in a while, too. I mean, Todd, it's less than a week since her dad moved out. Come on. Seriously, she has, yeah, she has some shit going on. Like, be fucking understanding and just back off for a bit if she's not in the form for hanging out. Like, it's not about you. No. Uh, and also, it's so pathetic that he's like, you know, well, I'm supposed to get that present from my mom. Like, what am I going to do now? Her birthday's tomorrow. And it's like, well, maybe don't leave it till the day before to buy her a fucking present. And also, she's your mother. You pick something. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, if your girlfriend, okay, Liz shouldn't have stood you up. But when she did, go to the shops yourself. Go get her something. Jesus, what's wrong with you? Oh, Todd. Yeah. Well, Liz feels guilty for hurting him, but then thinks, you know, maybe they should just break up now so they don't end up like Ned and Alice in the future. <gasps> and that isn't the end of her troubles this evening. Because oh, God. Yeah. Who should call to the house later? Oh, Penny turns up. Yeah. Old Penny from the Oracle. And she has news. Well, not so much news as, I don't know, she's, she's genuinely concerned. Yeah, because, uh, of course, Penny is the editor of the mm. Oracle, so she's kind of the boss uh, in terms of the students anyway. But, um, yeah, she's just said that she's missed, Liz has missed two Oracle meetings in the last month, and apparently she was supposed to do an interview uh, that had been scheduled with, like, the leader of the California Civic Rights Group this afternoon. So she was she was meant to be in two places, basically, yeah. this afternoon and not on a big bike ride. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, she just never showed up for the interview. So the guy who, you know, she was supposed to meet rang Penny wondering what was going on. Which is really shitty. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Liz is like, oh fuck, she completely forgot about the interview. Just you know, obviously forgot about these meetings as well. So <gasps> her just her head is not in the game, and she's just letting down her uh, her oracle responsibilities as well lately. Yeah, and she does. She feels terrible mm-hmm. and begs for forgiveness. And Penny's really nice about it. She's very understanding. Yeah. She says she she was afraid that Liz was getting sick of writing for the Oracle and didn't want to do it anymore. And she's like, don't worry about it. You can reschedule with this guy and I'm sure you'll understand. But Liz, it just adds to Liz's feelings that she's an unreliable mess. Oh, <sighs> poor Liz. At school, Jessica is pissed off because she doesn't have enough money to buy a new outfit for her date with Charlie. Because apparently she has to buy an entirely new outfit to meet somebody she's never met before. This is it. He doesn't know what clothes she has. So why do you need something new? <laughs> well, she tries to borrow some cash off Lila, but it turns out Lila doesn't give loans to friends. <laughs> She's so funny. Oh, God. Because even when she comes over to Jessica, I think Jess is like counting out the like $11 uh, she has in her wallet. And Lila's like, you shouldn't flash your money around, Jess. It's really tacky. <laughs> and someone might try to steal your wallet. <laughs> Ah, oh, Lila, always a supportive friend. Oh, the best. But she, <laughs> um, she yeah, does no, have, she, yeah, but she's not, uh, not going to loan money to her. But she does have an alternative suggestion. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Lila reckons that uh, Jess hasn't figured out the best part about your parents being separated. Oh, God. <laughs> Fucking hell, which is guilt tripping her dad, basically. Yeah, literally. So, yeah, she's like, you know, he's living all by himself, no one to bug him for an allowance anymore, so try asking him for money. Apparently Lila says, I saw it on a soap opera once. The girl on the series had money coming out of her ears. 
So basically go guilt trip your dad for yeah. uh, for some money for a new outfit. Which, of course, Jess is only delighted to hear because she doesn't feel <laughs> human emotion. She's not, she's not sad about Ned not living with him anymore. That's it. All her relationships are purely transactional. So this is right up her alley. <laughs> Very good point. In English class, Mr. Collins is finishing up their final class in Othello and he asks them, uh, because of course, whatever they study in Sweet Valley, if it's mentioned, has to have some relation with the A plot. Always. (laughs) He asks them to consider why Shakespeare made a love story a tragedy, Uh, which of course he did with Romeo and Juliet, which you got to see in window (laughs) form recently. I did, yes. Can you a ex- local window, uh, yeah, a local window in my area. Uh, oh, like it's just okay. This is a bit of a tangent, but it's just the most amazing thing. So. I know that's why I I wanted to bring it up so you could share it with the world because it's so <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so there's this um, local artist who uh, her window is right on the footpath uh, on a fairly busy part um, of where I live, and they amazingly took it upon themselves they've been doing this like window theater thing since nearly October I think last year so every week there'd be a little kind of scene in her window but like in February she just absolutely went to town and did a daily scene from Romeo and Juliet with Sylvanian families (gasps) so it's like tiny little bunny little bunny Capulets little hedgehog Montagues it was spectacular like it was the best motivation for a daily walk ever because I did not want to miss a single day of it so I was up there at her window taking photos like a weirdo every single day for like most of February uh just to to stay all caught up on everything and it was just the coolest little thing it was so good and it seems like she's doing a bit of a series because this was part one of the classics (gasps) and part two is apparently coming this month oh yes there's more more tiny, adorable drama to be had, it seems like. Oh, that is excellent news because I loved it. It was at, You're outside my 5K zone. Otherwise, I swear to God, I would have walked over to see it myself. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. It would be worth the trek. It was extremely detailed. And I, was, I just took a bunch of pictures every single day and put them on Twitter. So yeah. uh, you can find them on my Twitter feed. I got to vicariously uh, the... live it through them. It's like a very lengthy thread of photos <laughs> of tiny adorable hedgehogs and rabbits and it was really cool and the props <laughs> and the printouts it was just oh man it was an absolute joy it was yeah a master class in miniatures like honestly oh, it was so good very much so well i mean and it did have a tragic ending, very movingly rendered in Sylvanian families. Um, <laughs> I think Mr. Collins could have got rich pickings for his classes out of this. Um, but of course, all his talk about, you know, love stories being tragedies just weighs on Liz's mind because, you know, she's she basically feels, what's the point? It'll, it'll even trying because no. it always ends in tears. Yeah. And Mr. Collins bids them all a good weekend, but Liz is kind of dreading the weekend. She's worried about Alice having her first full weekend home alone. Yeah, she feels like like she just kind of has to be there for her mom like all weekend. Um, and, and like I can understand her being worried about her all right. Um, and I guess, yeah, and it is the first weekend since Ned has moved out. So it's it's just kind of a weird one. She doesn't really know how to handle it. Yeah, but uh, Todd is uh, happy to see her after class. And when she says how much she appreciates him, he says, that means I did the right thing, buying tickets to hear Sandra Gray at the palace. <laughs> where did where the palace come from? Yeah, what the hell? Apparently it's a popular music club downtown. Like, Is it? 
Since when? If you say so, Kate William, but I think, yeah. I guess, like, I don't know. I, I, they really had plenty of opportunities to throw in the palace before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah at least say it's a new music club downtown yeah. because we, we know our Sweet Valley venues. <laughs> and the palace is not one of them. <laughs> but Liz thinks of Alice being home alone. By the way, why can't Jess be expected to keep her company? I know it's like it uh, yeah well she can't (laughs) but like yeah but Liz also just does does feel like she has to do everything really Mm, true so she says she can't go to the gig and Todd is like well maybe your mom can come with us and then Liz gets annoyed yeah it's kind of like she's saying that she wants to be with her mom that night because she's worried about Alice but it also seems like she just kind of doesn't want to hang out with Todd at the minute or just she's just not in the forum for kind of going out and I suppose pretending like she's having a good time when she just has so much on her mind yeah, and Todd, I mean, he he's he makes it about himself because he's mm, like, yeah. you and I need some time together too. I mean, again, it's less than a week since her dad moved out. <laughs> like, give her a break. But cool your jets. He does say you need some time for yourself. You can't always worry about everybody else. You have to take care of yourself, which is yeah true. But don't sound so demanding about it, Todd. It's not helpful. Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah, and like he's he's very sensible to point out that she needs time to herself. But it's also like he won't even let her have that because he's like, no, spend yeah. time with me. <laughs> true. And then when he says, you know, he doesn't even know if she wants his support and asks, do you want me around Liz or don't you? Liz is, is sort of shocked because she can't believe Todd is even asking her this. But then she feels just completely numb. And she tells him she, she basically breaks up with him. Oof, yeah, this, I I didn't see this coming, no. I have to say. Um, and yeah, she just kind of, she feels perfectly calm as she's saying it. And she's like, yeah, I'm just too involved in what's going on in my family right now to have enough time for you. Because like Todd was kind of pushing it that like she needs to hang out with him all the time. Yeah. Like, we see each other every day in school. Like, it's not like they're going to forget what the, each other looks like. True. But like, yeah, so she's just like, yeah, maybe we should just call it quits, you know, because I'm, I, I just don't, uh. I don't have the time or the energy for this right now, pretty much. Yeah, it says she can't bear to keep, or she thinks she can't bear to keep disappointing him, and she's lost her faith in happy endings. <gasps> so, so, you know, cynical and yet so young. There you go, yeah. Well, so yeah, Todd is understandably quite shocked about this. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I like, can't really blame him. It just yeah. kind of comes out of nowhere as far as he's it concerned. Does. Yeah. <laughs> well, on Friday night, you and Alice is a bit worried that Liz is like spending the, the Friday night with her in a pair of sweatpants because Jessica is off dining with Ned so that's where she is and Stephen is still in college they're watching a film when the phone rings and who could it be? Oh, uh, it's Todd Yeah uh, Yeah, because he's just like oh, you did this really happen? Yeah, <laughs> was, uh, yeah he's like, like I, think, I think we've made a big mistake and can we can we please talk about this? Like, you mean so much to me um, but Liz just, again, just is weirdly calm and just not really having it. She's just like, no, I can't talk. We're watching a movie. And, you know, we've gone over all this before. I don't have anything new to say. But they haven't really gone over it. They had a conversation that lasted two minutes. True. And she just was like, nope, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it really wasn't that much of a conversation. Um, yeah. And it is quite cold, uh, yeah. poor old Todd. So, yeah, she just kind of hangs up on him. She's like, nope things are over if it's over it's over and that's that kind of yeah she's really lost her faith in love big time well jessica arrives home in fine form of course not a bother <laughs> on her and she's briefly shocked to hear about the breakup with todd but then she's like need to get out there and play the field and liz <laughs> thinks why not oh my god yeah and jessica's delighted because because this is what she's always wanted liz to like you know join her in her 
<laughs> just slaying her way through <laughs> all the lads. <laughs> well, be careful what you wish for, Jessica. Indeed. Well, the next day, Jessica is getting ready for her date with Charlie in quite the outfit. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Okay, and we are keeping this one because this one is spectacular. Oh, I assumed so. Yeah. <laughs> well, she got her dad to pay for it and it was out of guilt, basically. Oh God, Ned. Um, and Amy's there watching her try it on. She's very impressed. And Jess reminds her that she has to sort of hide in the shadows during the day. She is going to come <laughs> along and just prove that Charlie exists, but she yes. has to you know, stay out of things. And when Amy says she saw Todd earlier looking miserable, Jess tells her about the breakup. And Amy, of course, has a sight session of because she can't oh literally God. can't hear about a single man. Seriously, Amy is just oh, she sucks. But like, <laughs> just like it's is it even the day after that they've broken up? Yeah, it's just the but day. Yeah. Amy's like, um, oh, he looks even cuter than usual. She sat up on the bed. What do you think, Jess? Can you see Todd and me together as a couple? A couple of what's Jessica replied sarcastically. Oh. <laughs> Which is the line I very much enjoyed. Yes. Well, <laughs> but, Jessica um, warns her off. Because I think yes. even that's too far for even for Jessica. Even for Jessica. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you, you stay away from Todd, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> she heads off to the roller rink in her uh, ensemble. <laughs> and she finds Charlie. And he's a hunk. Of course he is. Oh my God. He's well, he's been led into Sweet Valley, so I suppose he had to. Oh, good point. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, but yeah, I suppose we were expecting, you know, the twist. What was what was the problem going to be? But uh, but yeah, he's this very classically handsome dude and very tall, blonde. And yeah, almost too handsome. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> and Jessica approves of his clothes. Are they, yeah, are you saving that outfit till the end? Nah, jeans and a trendy sweater. Yeah. I can throw that out there. We've got rich pickings for the outfits, don't you oh, worry? Oh, we do. There's a fancy dress party, remember? Indeed. It's quite an outfit there, I tell you. Almost <laughs> up there with Lila's Lady Lady Die costume. Which one? She's done it twice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh good lord. She's the best. <laughs> the best at fancy dress parties by a mile. Well, uh, the chemistry just is not there between Jessica and Charlie. And he's so different from his phone persona. She's kind of baffled. Yeah, he's really awkward. And he's there's no crack in him at all. Like, she kind of makes little jokes. And it's like he just doesn't get them and no. doesn't get her. Whereas they chat so easily on the phone. Like, you'd imagine all the hard parts are kind of done because they, they're used to talking to each other. But he's just... He's really weird and he doesn't he doesn't laugh. He's really awkward. He kind of yeah, he's just he's an odd dude. <laughs> he seems to be made of cardboard, apparently. Yeah. yeah, there's just no personality or charm to him at all. Yeah, so Jessica's really disappointed because, you know, she she maybe had been prepared for him not to be a hunk, but she absolutely wasn't prepared for him to be this boring, you know, lump, basically. <laughs> but that evening, he rings and says you, Jessica, are the most dazzling, the most wonderful and the wittiest roller skater known to man. Or to woman, for that matter. <laughs> and he has a good excuse for why he was so wooden. Yeah, he says that he was just shy because he had no idea she'd be as beautiful <laughs> as she is. Um, so, yeah, he says that, you know, after all the phone calls, he thought that he was expecting too much. And then he saw her and that was it. Instant love. How could you expect me not to be tongue tied? Huh? So he kind of, yeah, just kind of pleads his case that, look, I was just so bamboozled by your beauty. Um, <laughs> so, of course, Jessica buys that because, you know, why wouldn't he be? 
Um, so he kind of talks her into giving him another go and uh, having dinner on Wednesday night. Yeah. With him. And of course she she agrees. She does. She says, yeah, she'll give him, she'll give this another chance because they do get on very well yeah. over the phone. Even though, as you say, he talks like some kind of man from a 1930s film. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but she's into it yep. <laughs> and they do get on. <laughs> so she's willing to give it another go. I mean, I guess he's more, he's got more character than some of the people she's gone out with. That's true. And on this uh, romantic note, it's time for us to take a break and match make you, listeners, with Headstuff Plus. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Headstuff Plus is a membership platform that's been launched by our network, uh, the Headstuff Podcast Network. So you can subscribe for as little as five euros a month and you get access to bonus content, not just for like our bonus content, but everybody's bonus content. So there's loads of podcasts on the network and uh, we've been doing a whole a whole bonus series uh, that you can get access to, yeah. Pi Beta Alpha, that's what it's called. It's a whole new series every fortnight in between our regular episodes and we are recapping the uh, Sweet Valley TV series and it has been a lot of fun so far. It has. We've actually like surprised ourselves in how much we're actually enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, we really have. Uh, there's been uh, nude paintings, <laughs> absolute scandal. Like <laughs> there's been a lot of nineties outfits. There's Just, yeah, delightful outfits, and there has been a pale imitation of Mister Collins. <laughs> it's it's controversial. We'll tell you that much. Oh, very much so. So, if you would like to join Pi Beta Alpha, um, you can do so by joining up to Headstuff Plus for as little as five euros a month. And you know you can choose whether you want your five euros a month to go towards just our podcast, or you can spread it out towards uh, a number of podcasts in the Headstuff Podcast Network. But as Karen said, whatever you choose to do, you will get access to all the bonus content on the site. And one show that will provide you with some uh, bonus ep- episodes or bonus content is Garrod Farrelly's Fascinated. I'm Garrod Farrelly and I'm the host of Fascinated. Have you ever wondered about the pop bands you liked as a teenager? What went on behind the scenes? We had played this like grand prank. It sounds terrible, but I'm just so relieved it's over. And then they had this like great idea of getting another girl in who looked like Heavenly. What did they do afterwards? And all of a sudden you're like, that's the end of that. It was all blowing up when it all kind of just unraveled. And I thought it would last forever and it didn't. Check out Fascinated with me, Gerald Farrelly on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Yeah, so fascinated. He Garrod has these lovely, like, light-hearted chats with some very familiar faces. So he's had on like pop stars, actors, comedians. So he'll chat to them about their pasts, the highs and lows of their life in the limelight. And actually, the new series has just started, and the first episode of this new series has none other than Princess of Irish Pop, Samantha Mumba, on it. Whoa, a, a yeah. fellow drum conjurer girl like myself. <gasps> Oh my god, amazing. Love it as a month yeah. number. So uh yeah, if you you can listen to that uh right now because that came out last week. And you can find out more about all the other podcasts on the network at uh Headstuff Podcasts. And you can join us in Pi Beta Alpha if you do. And don't you want to find out what we think of the fake Mr. Collins? I mean, <laughs> we have opinions. So many opinions. <laughs> And now, 
back to Sweet Valley, where Enid calls to see Liz and asks what the hell happened with her and old Tuttles because she's met him and she's in shock herself. I mean, yeah, she's like, uh, what the hell is going on with you two? Oh. Um, yeah, she's she's kind of, uh, what's the word, blindsided by this whole thing, as I'm sure everybody else is. And um, yeah, Liz is just like, you know, he... It's just it's not it's not going to work out. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm I don't have the energy for it. I don't want to talk about it. But um, yeah, Enid is, again, very understanding yep. and says, look, I know how like lonesome and confusing a time like this can be, but you can't shut out your friends. Like, don't shut me out and don't shut Todd out because we are here to support you, basically. And yeah, Liz is just like not listening at all, not nope. taking any of it in. Nope. Doesn't care. Yeah. She's determined to play the field. Mm. <laughs> oh, Liz, that, it never works out when you try this. Sure doesn't, Jesus. On Monday morning, she's feeling a bit uncomfortable uh, in the in the bathroom in school because she's all dressed up to kill. That's it. She's wearing something more like Jessica would wear, apparently. Uh, so she has just like this little denim miniskirt on. We don't find out what else she's wearing, but I bet it's something good. Yeah. Uh, everybody thinks she's Jessica kind of when they see her. <laughs> I have to say a short, I mean, I'm surprised they're that, in, you know, wowed by just a short skirt. True. Like, yeah. they go wearing bikinis half the time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, she bumps into Todd, who is delighted to see her and is taken aback by her miniskirt and we're told her fluffed up hair oh my god <laughs> what does that look maybe she's got the perm again oh my god maybe <laughs> extra fluff <laughs> well poor old Todd wants to talk to her understandably because she dumped him right out of the blue two days ago and refused to take his calls all weekend but like yeah this is understandable <laughs> but she basically makes her excuses and runs away and hopes that Todd will get over it soon so they can both get on with their lives fucking hell so cold <laughs> Well, at lunchtime, you can tell again, yes, as you said, that her outfit must be outrageous because Enid mistakes Liz for Jessica at lunch and asks, since when do you wear a skirt the size of a band-aid to school? <laughs> yeah, so Enid's kind of like, what the hell is going on with her? Uh, because she also says that she overheard Paul Jeffries in the lunch line uh... bragging that he has a date with Liz tonight. And Enid's uh -oh. like, he's lying, isn't he? Like, what's the story here? But, um, but yeah, Liz has uh, gotten straight into Operation Play the Field uh, with gusto, it seems like, because um, apparently Paul uh, asked her to go to the cinema with him that night. And she's like, yeah, cool, let's go. Yeah. And we're told she is proud of her conquest. <laughs> Good heavens. <laughs> so yeah, she doesn't care that he's a big womanizer. She's just, uh, she's out there. So the wild oats. That's it. Yeah, because Ina does say to her, like, he's... You know, maybe this isn't right, quite the right guy for this type of thing or, you know, anything or you in yeah. general. But uh, yeah, she's just like, no, I'm uh, I'm playing the field. Yeah. And she thinks, she tells her she doesn't regret breaking up with Todd, but she secretly mm. thinks she doesn't deserve him. Oh. Well, Jessica on Wednesday night is twirling her Wakefield for Mayor badge and I want one. <laughs> Seriously, I love that she's wearing it on a date. Like, yeah. what are you doing? 
<laughs> well, you know, she's never not uh, at it when it comes to self-promotion. So Very true, yeah. <laughs> so she's waiting for Charlie and he suggested sushi, which she's really nervous about because despite the fact it's 1990 in California, somehow sushi is like really exotic. <laughs> like I think I had sushi for the first time in the mid-90s in Dublin. So I find it very hard to believe that in California five years earlier it was like some sort of terrifying you know like exotic feast (laughs) yeah it was whatever about the rest of the states in California for sure you'd imagine that like sushi like was pretty common maybe I'm wrong tell us listeners was sushi really outre well Jessica's decided to take the plunge so to speak and uh, she's but she's not impressed that Charlie is so late and he finally turns up in, is this outfit going to be in the... Uh... Uh, yeah, one is uh, yes. being kept. So yeah. It's, it's <laughs> odd sounding. It really is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he turns up with another rose. Um, but oh. this time, like when he, ha- he kind of hands it to her awkwardly and it scratches her hand. So he's still kind of weird uh, and not quite himself. Yeah. So Jessica's like, damn it, what is going on here? It's very awkward and there's just no chemistry between them. Like he doesn't get anything, any anything even vaguely resembling a joke. And uh, at the end of the date, he asks if they can go out again. And we're told that even though Elizabeth sometimes accused her of being heartless, she hated turning guys down. Yeah, right. No fucking chance. <laughs> she doesn't give a shit. One single shit. Well, she tells him that the spark isn't there and she's sorry. Um, maybe they could still chat on the phone as friends because that seems to be the only time you can show personality. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. that's it. Uh, so that's, as far as she's concerned, is the end of Charlie. Yeah. But the next day at school, she tells Amy about it. And Amy is amused and says that, you know, well, he was cute. But Jess says he that wasn't enough. And Amy finds it hilarious that Jessica thinks this wasn't enough and points out that she's never gone out with anyone who wasn't hot. Je- <laughs> Jessica claims I just happen to go out with guys I like if I ever like a guy who isn't cute I'll go out with him hmm. like no she because that happened remember wasn't there like one of her fucking scams when she was I don't know doing love letters or dating agency bullshit she ended up going on a date with this guy who was like <gasps> a chubby guy yeah. yeah but he was lovely and he was really nice and she did really like his personality but True. just like would not be seen dead with him because he wasn't good looking enough for her so like this True. is all bullshit because we've True. seen her handle a situation like <laughs> exactly the opposite to what she's saying right now that she would do we know how shallow she is yeah well, she claims that she would have liked Charlie if he was, quote, a little weird looking, but had the same <laughs> personality as on the phone. But then something happens. It sends her into a rage again. <laughs> um, yeah, so she, what is it? She says that um, this guy, Paul, yeah. oh, no, that guy Paul, that, uh, that Liz is supposed to be oh, going Jeffries. out with, that's it. Yeah, yeah, he kind of like runs over to Jessica and he's like, oh, hey, I've been looking over for you all over the place. And Jessica's like, oh, amazing. Like, of course, it wasn't going to take long for somebody else to snap me up. And uh, when she's like, oh, you have, <laughs> she said in her most flirtatious voice. And Paul's like, oh, uh, I can't believe I just did that. I thought you were Liz. <laughs> oh, because they were supposed to go get some ice cream. And when he saw her out there, he kind of ran over thinking, uh, thinking that that's who she was. So, uh, yeah. Jessica is not impressed. No, because she uh, she wanted Liz to like play the field a little bit, but now she has some weird dog in the manger thing where she's like, well, you know, I don't want to go out after hot guys after all. They're all for me. 
<laughs> That's it, yeah. There's no logic to it. None whatsoever. Like all along she's wanted Liz to play the field and now that she is, she's like, no, stop it. <laughs> Those are my boys. <laughs> well, she continues her stinker of mood because by the time she gets home, she's she's just had a terrible day. She ran out of petrol on the way home and uh, when she gets home, she's locked out. So by the time Stephen gets, the, uh, gets home to let her in, she's really a fouler and she gives out to him about not caring about Ned's mayoral plans. As even points out, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous plan because he doesn't have any experience in public service and there was no reason for him to do this and he doesn't think it's a good idea. And of course, this sets Jess off into a frenzy. That's it. They did like, yeah, none of the Wakefield kids can seem to talk to each other for more than five minutes without somebody kicking off. Yeah. Uh, and them all just having a row. But like Stephen, yeah, he calls the dad's campaign half-baked. And it's like, that is more than kind, to be fair. <laughs> this whole mayoral campaign is absolute nonsense. It really is. Yeah. Liz gets home and uh, she's happy to see Stephen. But then Jess starts giving out to her for playing around and, and gets in some kind of nasty jibes. Even Stephen is shocked and and says that, you know, that's out of line, even for you. Even for you. It's like, Jesus, this is really bad. But yeah, there is a great line when she's given out to her. She's like, playing the field is one thing. Going for all the players at the same time is another. Oh, <laughs> yes. Sick burn. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> so they, the tensions don't get, the tensions continue to rise, basically, as they go inside. And Jess keeps sort of needling Stephen about supposedly ignoring it. Ned and then literally shrieks but you know you're you're lying if you say you've been in touch with them I know you haven't like she's I don't know maybe she has been repressing something after all god maybe yeah because she does it genuinely says that she shrieks that line it's just like wow she is unhinged (laughs) she really is and Liz is trying to make the peace and that enrages Jess who's kind of enjoying letting off a bit of steam I think all the steam is just about her being disappointed in Charlie I don't think it's really about her parents at all Oh no, she doesn't give a shit about her parents. This is purely that and the fact that she's run out of boys because Liz is snapping them all up. <laughs> well, eventually, even she gets even Stephen to admit that Liz is being a little bit self-righteous of constantly being the sort of like, why can't we all agree? <laughs> but then Jessica crosses the line. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, yeah it's really, it's yeah. genuinely awful. Yeah, because at this point, Stephen and Jess have kind of ganged up on Liz, which is also shit. Um, But yeah, Jessica says that uh, we've been covering up your mistakes for weeks and no one ever mentions the fact that you're the one who gave the phone number at Lake Tahoe (gasps) to Alice's assistant. She's like, you're the one who wrecked the weekend. And if it wasn't for you, mom and dad would probably still be together, Uh, which is unbelievably shit. Yeah. And Stephen didn't know about that phone call. I don't really understand how he didn't or didn't know that it was Liz who gave the number. Yeah, I don't know how he didn't know that either. But uh, but yeah, he's kind of puzzled and he's like, oh my God, did you really do that? Uh, and Liz is like, well, yeah, but I didn't mean to, you know, or for any of this to happen, obviously. And you'd think Stephen would know better yeah. than to basically join in with this fucking, like, witch yeah, blaming Elizabeth. It, it is a witch hunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it's really shitty. So they both just kind of tell Liz that it's her fault. Yeah, like, like Stephen, Stephen puts his arm around Jessica to comfort her. That uh, snake doesn't need comforting. So true. Like, it's so shitty. Like, yeah, I actually really feel bad for Liz here because she we know she already blames herself. And now that they're saying it as well, it's just like, oh man, yeah. like she doesn't she doesn't stand a chance here. Like, this is just awful. And she runs off to her room. She doesn't even run away crying because she's just, she's 
in such a state. But then finally she breaks down in tears. And she thinks she doesn't deserve to live in the split-level ranch house. Oh. So Alice comes home in cheery mood. And Jess is being all sweet and set in a sickly way and setting the table. Gets praised for Alice for doing the bare fucking minimum. So it sickens me, to be honest. Ugh. So annoying, yeah. And she's surprised to hear that Alice met Ned for lunch that day and it was actually really nice. And Jess gets a pang of human emotion for a split second. She realises that she misses the days when her family all lived in the same house. Like, yeah, how how has it taken her this long to realise that? It's, it's a bit so sad that your parents have split up who loved each other until like yeah. a week ago. Imagine, shock twist. This isn't a great situation. <laughs> Uh, she even almost feels bad for being such a dick to Liz, but uh, we're told she wasn't good at apologising. She didn't feel like letting her sister off the hook that day, or, or off the hook that easily, basically just because she's jealous of Liz for going out with all these boys. Yeah, she's like, Liz will get over it. Besides, she has to learn that she can't go out with every boy at Sweet Valley High. Like, why? Because that's your job. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? Oh, it's so nice. Uh, I, I mean, she's always terrible, and this is no exception in this book. True. On Friday... Poor Liz is in an English exam where all the questions are really like triggering to her emotional situation. <laughs> oh God, yeah. It's like this like relevant classwork thing is just uh, on a whole other level this week. <laughs> yeah. Like in many of the works we've read this semester, the authors describe love as particularly fragile. Do you agree? <laughs> oh, it does say to back up your claims with examples from what they've been studying, but still yeah. it's a bit, a bit subjective as an exam question. It is a bit, yeah. <laughs> Poor old Liz can't concentrate. And she thinks she knew she was going to let Mr. Collins down again. Oh, of everything else, of oh God. And then the bell rings and she hasn't written a single word. God, it's oh such a horrible feeling when you know you've just fucked it. Like, oh, I know. Um, I, I never left an empty exam paper. I did do one exam in college where I, for one question I wrote like, a single paragraph oh that was yeah. it it was yeah, on history of architecture when I hadn't gone to any lectures all year it was <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah so she has to she's like she can't hand in like a blank piece of paper so she just kind of crumples it up and just doesn't hand in anything but uh, she figures it didn't matter anyway because by the time Mr. Collins figured it out she intended to be far away from Sweet Valley <gasps> somewhere she couldn't ruin her friends and her family's lives anymore oh so yeah. after school, she meets Enid in the Box Tree Cafe and Enid is shocked to hear that she's going to run away. Yeah, like it's quite drastic. So she plans to go to her cousin Jenny in Dallas. You might remember Jenny who very pleasingly hooked the guy that uh, Jessica was after uh, <laughs> when she came to visit. Um, or she might go to her grandparents um, up in Michigan. But she thinks maybe if I leave, they'll get back together again. Oh, yeah, she's like, they won't miss me. They'll be glad I was gone. Oh, So Enid understandably thinks this is ridiculous and yeah. sensibly persuades Liz just to come to her house instead of, like, leaving the state. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hundreds <laughs> or thousands of miles away. Um, so she, uh, yeah, she says, come over, you know, stay over in my house just for a bit of breathing space. And Liz gives in. She doesn't want to tell her parents, but Enid says, at least drop them a note. Just write, send them a letter. And yeah. Uh, and that's what she does. And it's quite poignant. Oh, yeah, it is. She writes, I think, yes, the same letter for her mum and her dad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's just kind of saying how sorry she is. And she's like, I know I'm to blame for everything. And I don't feel right living at home right now. 
Uh, but don't worry, I'm staying with a friend and I'm fine and I'll call you as soon as I'm ready. Um, I yeah, love so you just... all and I'm so, oh. so sorry. Poor Liz, God. Uh, so Edith agrees uh, and says, like, just, uh, you know, agrees that this is fine, but just tell who you're staying with. But yes. Liz says that if she does, then her parents will ring and ask her to go home. By the way, they're going to figure out where she is anyway. I don't really understand why they don't just call around. I know, same. I was like, just drive there. It'll be fine. In the same town. But Edith, anyway, volunteers to go with this to deliver the letters. And Mrs. Rollins says that she could stay, you know, as long as she tells her parents. Uh, you would think Mrs. Rollins might ring Alice, but I guess as far as she's concerned, it's only like, oh, can Liz stay over? Yeah. She doesn't realise that she's yeah, run away. This is it, yeah. So yeah, Mrs. Rollins doesn't know how how serious this could have been, I suppose. Uh but uh, yeah, like good on Enid, I suppose, for, for talking her into just going there. Because as she says, you know, as soon as you realise this was a mistake when you're just at my house rather than like halfway to Dallas yeah. and like going cross country. So like, yeah, again, Enid is great in this book and just like pulls her back from the brink and is like, what are you doing? Just come to my house. Yeah. You'll be fine. <laughs> well, meanwhile, uh, Jess is in another bad mood because she doesn't have a weekend date. Oh my God. <laughs> And to rub salt in the wound, there was another Pi Beta Alpha meeting to discuss the party and everybody was talking about who they were going to bring. And Lila and Amy have apparently set their sights on some men that they were boys at Lila's dance class and Amy's tennis class. Mm. I mean, that doesn't really go anywhere. I thought that was setting things up. No, not at all. It's just, it's just, they have dates. Yes. Because all that was establishing, really. Well, the house is empty when Jess gets home and she assumes Liz is off with her latest squeeze. <laughs> Some other conquest. So she decides to uh, ring a familiar but forbidden number. Oh, God, Jess, you dummy. Yeah, she decides she's <laughs> going to ring the party line. <laughs> yeah, and it's a whole new gang, except sad sap Sarah, who's still there. <laughs> she's still hanging in there. <laughs> um. So she tells Sarah all about the bill drama and she asks, has Charlie been on recently? And Sarah has talked to Charlie and she has some uh, information for Jess. Oh my God. Yeah. So she's like, Jessica, uh, yeah, there's something you should know. Um, she says, yeah, I'm going to take a chance and tell you because Charlie never will. But that guy that you had had the dates with wasn't Charlie. <gasps> Which stuns Jessica. Yeah, I think before when I kind of realised what was happening, I couldn't remember Cyrano de Bergerac and I wrote yeah. down, it's Roxanne. <laughs> 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 a true 80s baby yeah. <laughs> like it took me so long to think of Bergerac. it was embarrassing all I could think of was Steve Martin and Roxanne <laughs> was Daryl Hannah the love interest she was indeed uh, yes yeah, I mean I saw that long before I saw any version of Bergerac. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair um, yeah so uh, he did uh, Roxanne slash Serrano yeah, um, indeed. Yeah, got a good looking friend to go in his place. Apparently, uh, Charlie told Sarah that he, quote, isn't the tall, dark and handsome type. And Jessica is stunned. Yeah, she can't believe it. Uh, but obviously it makes sense because, you know, they got along so well on the phone mm. and yet in person it was just a complete dud. Yeah. Like, and there was no chemistry. Yeah, so she's yeah. she's kind of relieved that it means the charming Charlie she met on the phone isn't actually this dullard. <laughs> real life. there's some hope for him yet yeah. well at seven o'clock because again they, they go to they, they have a strange attitude to work out as late but uh, Alice I guess she 
Liz hasn't rung home or anything. She hasn't come home yeah. from school. But Alice is worried about Liz's absence. And Stephen worries that it's related to what happened last night. And of course, Jess doesn't want him to tell Alice what happened last night because he has some semblance of responsibility. He tells Alice that they accused Liz of being responsible for the breakup. And Alice yeah. is rightly appalled. Oh, she's horrified. And yeah, she's just like, did I hear what you said or am I going crazy? And <laughs> Jess tries to fucking defend herself. And she's like, yeah, but it was her fault. She was the one who blabbed the phone number. And it's like, oh, shut up, Jessica. <laughs> That's pretty much what Alice says. Mm. So uh, just as they're uh, talking about this, they hear a noise at the door and Stephen goes out to see a strange car driving away and a letter. <gasps> Yeah, so they open it up and see that it's from Liz because it's her handwriting and they're like, oh my God. So they, they're in stunned silence as they watch uh, Alice read the letter. And by 8.30, an hour and a half later, the house is in chaos. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, um, Alice has, uh, she has the phone in her hands and she's dialed the numbers of every single one of Liz's friends, but nobody knew where she was. Enid's number, which she tried first, had been busy for an hour uh, and there was nobody home at Todd's place. So she's just like, where is she? I mean, you could just go over to Enid's house where she obviously is. Seriously, like I just wrote down, drive over, problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, she doesn't seem to have rung Ned either. Well, yeah. Although he does turn up. He did, uh, yeah, he turns up Ned. Like, 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 yeah, it's an hour true. and a half since they got the letter. Makes <laughs> 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 you might have dropped him a, a call. Um, so he explains what the other said about Liz blaming herself. And then she says that she and Ned have been hurting the kids as well as themselves. They all need to stop blaming others and look for ways to make repairs. And Ned agrees and he thinks they're ready to try to work things through. So I'm worrying that the message this book would give kids whose parents are splitting up, that like, if you run away, your parents will join forces. Oh, God, yeah. It is a bit <laughs> like that, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. It's not great. Uh, meanwhile, Liz is having a great old time. She, she is indeed. They're uh, up watching telly and videos until nearly two in the morning. Yeah, it's party realness. <laughs> Uh, she's um, she's sleeping in a cot, which I think must mean a camp bed. Yeah, oh, no, not like does, a yeah. baby's cot. No, <laughs> no, because they keep saying that on like American TV yeah. shows as well. Like, oh, I'll set up a cot, and it's like, I'm sorry, you what? <laughs> and it's always like, yeah, like a it's a camp fold out yeah. bed of some sort, or yeah. Um, I think of yeah, it's so... like a, a bed with a sort of metal frame and springs that folds yeah. up. It's a camp bed. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's So fair. I'm sort of assuming that's what they mean by cot, a sort of a foldy-outy, mm. like, temporary guest bed. Yeah, but yeah, it sounds, it's got a cosy quilt and pillows and it sounds quite, yeah. quite nice. I used to have to sleep on the floor in my friend's room if I stayed over, so that's on some yeah, cushions, but... Same, like sleeping bags, sleeping bags on the ground in the living room. Exactly. <laughs> oh, very fancy, don't know, you're born, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> it's far from cots we were reared. Apart from the actual, you know, baby, oh, baby cuts, but yeah. yeah, we had one of them. <laughs> Just babies on the floor, all over the place. <laughs> no, we do have cots for babies. Oh, I believe that's what Americans call cribs. Okay, there we go. Uh, tell us, uh, Americans, what do you call <laughs> what do you call the things babies sleep in? <laughs> Not the little bas baskets when they're actually like sleeping for the first couple of years of their lives. Uh, well Elizabeth is presumably not sleeping in one of them but <laughs> she is having fun and Enid asks about Todd and Liz admits that she misses him and that she didn't feel anything for the boys she dated to these loveless outings oh but god they sound so grim don't they, they really do don't they like I felt nothing <laughs> Jesus 
But uh, she thinks she's, you know, Todd's already moved on because he's been seen hanging out with some sophomore called Alison with short red hair and a great figure. So Edith urges her to talk to Todd, but she's like, oh, all that would happen if we'll break up and we go away to college and what's the point of staying together if we're going to split up in a year? It's like, good God. Yeah, but also they do. I know, I was thinking that. <laughs> so, yeah, is it so wrong? But, but at the same time, she's like, we'll only split up in a year. And it's like, oh, we have so many books to get through. Before, yeah, that's before year you are going anywhere, girl. It's going to be very long and very dramatic. Very and you will so. split up at least once and cheat on people during it. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, Edith says, what about the fact that you love each other, that you enjoy each other's company? Isn't that good enough? And Elizabeth's like, no, she just wants to avoid pain. Love can't survive. So why bother at all? Oh, God. Yeah. Well, the next day, Edith discovers that Liz left the phone off the hook all night. Oh, good thing there wasn't oh. an emergency with Edith's nana up in Jesus. Chicago. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I suppose, like, neither Enid or her mum kind of realised mm. that uh, that Liz hasn't told her parents where she is. Yeah. Well, Alice finally got through first thing in the morning and she's just coming to get her. <laughs> she's yeah. Uh, she's she's brooking no argument and Liz hopes that they can at least have a civilised discussion mm. and when she gets home Ned is there to her amazement and they all yeah. apologise Jessica apologises grudgingly of course <laughs> and Ned actually acts like a grown up I mean I mean total... just about but... oh well yeah I was going to say total surprise but yeah. also it's probably the bare minimum too isn't yeah. it <laughs> Um, yeah, he just says, look, we're all going to have to be more patient with each other. Uh, and, you know, we hope that you'll you'll talk to us like and it's, it's only natural that some of us will feel guilty or angry about this. And we just we just need to you know get get those feelings out and deal with them. Mm. So like because obviously keeping stuff bottled up, which is exactly what Liz has been doing mm. all the way through this book and just never telling anybody what's yes. going on with her, um, you know, isn't the way to go. So, yeah, he kind of says, look, you know, that's that's not the way to do yeah. this. And uh, Liz kind of says, look, you guys would have decided to live apart anyway, even if I hadn't given the number. And they're like, no, like, like of course, this isn't your fault. You were just trying to keep us together. This was just us like and, and a thing between us. Yeah. So, yeah, she kind of uh, feels relieved then that uh, she also doesn't feel numb anymore. So that's progress yes, as well. She feels both joy and pain. Oh. So, yes, I'm glad that Ned uh, has. He also says that they didn't handle it very well and that they they didn't explain. They didn't talk things out you know, very well with the kids. So Yeah, it doesn't seem like they ever had a proper sit down with them to kind of no. talk through doesn't... what was going to happen. It just seemed very abrupt. And it doesn't sound it. like they had to talk, sit down with each other either. So. <laughs> also so true. Very just like... Spur of the moment. <laughs> just, just confrontations on horseback. Alice <laughs> galloping off and then be like, fine, I'm moving out then. Maximum drama. <laughs> Justin licking up off the stones. Indeed. So Liz basically realises, yes, that she's not responsible for what happens between her parents, which is scary because she doesn't have control over it, but it means that she's not responsible for it. So yeah. she can start figuring out her own life and uh, she feels a bit better. Mm. And later, Liz, Jess goes into Liz's room and demands to know what the story is with Todd and tells Liz that she's being stupid. True. And Liz admits yes. to herself that she still loves him, but how could she let him know? I mean, you could just ring him. <laughs> how could she possibly yeah. communicate this to him? <laughs> Well, Liz or uh, Jessica is just as frustrated with Liz as we are. And, you know, otherwise things are actually kind of good with the Wakefield. Ned came over for brunch and it was really nice. And uh, the one thing that's the fly in the ointment for Jess is seeing Liz and Todd 
uh, separated. Which, you know, I don't think she really feels anything for Todd or even for Liz. She just doesn't want Liz stealing her thunder. That's it. Yeah, Liz is just working her way through all the lads that are meant to be for Jessica. So, yeah, that's what the issue is here. But she has a scheme and she wants to recruit Stephen. Yeah, of course. Yeah, she's a partner in crime. Um, So she says, yeah, that she's going to uh, come up with some... She has a plan to get uh, Liz and Todd back together uh, and that they can be reunited in front of the whole school. At the um, costume party. Yes, exactly. At the costume party. But uh, yeah, so she, they don't tell us what the plan is exactly. But uh, Liz is busy working on an article for the Oracle when Jess kind of barges in and then comes back out and figures out, because she's figured out what uh, what Liz is wearing that day. Yes. Um, Typically boring yes. outfit. Typically, yes. So, um, yeah, obviously she has a plan to impersonate Liz. I mean, this never goes well, but, you know, we're just, we're, we're rolling with it. Yeah. Um, so she rings rings up Todd uh, and asks to see him that afternoon, saying she has something very important she wants to talk about uh, with him and says, look, can you meet me at Second Lake in an hour? And Todd's like, um, okay. So, uh, yeah, so a plan has been put in motion. Yes, she heads off to meet uh Todd and Stephen is somehow going to persuade Liz to get in the car and drive off with them afterwards and the plan is that they will make sure that uh, Liz hears Todd declare his love for to what he thinks is Liz and then they'll just swap places <laughs> yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> and, and it works <laughs> like I, I hate that he's so easily fooled uh, <laughs> Well, he does say when he meets her, when he meets Liz, or sorry, Jessica at the picnic table, he says, are you okay? You, I don't know. You don't look like you feel very well. Thanks a lot, Todd. Jessica thought, furious. What's wrong with my face? Um, So she tells him that, you know, she's sorry that she acted so weird to them. It was just the stress talking and she wants him back if he'll have her. And of course he's Mm. delighted and says how much she means to him. And Jess hears a twig snap behind her and says, oh, I have to get something in the car. And it's so Liz, who was lurking behind a tree with Stephen, can take her place. Yeah, it's so strange. Um, yeah, so they like no, no one comes clean or anything either. So they, she has heard Todd's declaration of love. So she thanks Jessica for doing this for her. And then like just goes around the tree, I guess. So they've been <laughs> hiding behind. Which Todd and, can't uh, see or hear them. <laughs> You know, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, is Todd, uh, really, true, is true. he? Um, so, she, yeah, she just uh, joins Todd at the picnic table and they just kind of pick up where they left off and he doesn't realise it's a different twin sitting in front of them. <laughs> That's Todd for you. Oh, God. Yeah, so they make up and they're all good. Yeah. And Jess is very pleased with herself, as usual, but she still has a problem. She doesn't have a oh. date herself. My God, it's the most major problem of all. But then she has... A, well, she somehow thinks is a wonderful idea which is really yeah, stupid so apparently um yeah the guy that amy was supposed to be going with had called her that morning and said he couldn't make it so now amy doesn't have a date either so jessica's plan is to get amy and charlie the real uh, charlie the, the real charlie that is uh to go to the dance together as blind dates and jessica can go with the handsome one even though she doesn't <laughs> like him and has literally said like she him. doesn't want to hang out with him I mean, look, this plan doesn't make any sense, but uh, she's delighted with herself anyway that they're going to have this big double date. Um, Oh, yeah, she thinks that uh, she wouldn't be mortified by being caught out in public with someone who wasn't good looking, but she would be able to enjoy the benefits of being with both Charlies and having both of them be in love with her. (laughs) By the way, why does she think that the fake Charlie is in love with her? 
I know, like, where did that come so from? <laughs> Literally, there's nothing to base that yeah. on. But yeah, she doesn't even like him, but it's just the fact that he's good looking. She won't lose any of her rep yeah. if real Charlie turns out to be funny looking. But she still get to suss him out and decide for herself whether she wants him or yeah. not. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she rings Charlie, uh, confronts him about his uh, deception. He confesses all and she thinks they can still be friends because she likes his flattering comments. And then again, this is this is what friendships with Jessica Wakefield are like. Purely <laughs> transactional. Yeah. <laughs> so he agrees to go on a double date with her and Amy, um, which you know I guess she sort of told him that she doesn't really care one way or the other. So he, I suppose, maybe out of curiosity, he wants to have a have a look. That's it. I suppose, I suppose since they did get along so well, she's just. She just wants to know what he actually looks like, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So she and Amy get ready. Jess's outfit <laughs> is incredible. Well, Amy and Jessica agrees with me that this is a crappy fancy dress costume. It's, it's, good. it's so shit. Can you tell yeah. us what it is? Yeah, well, obviously we'll keep Jessica's one, but Amy no, yeah. goes as a cheerleader. Just her so cheerleader outfit. She just wears her uniform. So, wow, like... Jesus, Amy, don't bowl us over with all your imagination or anything. Oh, God, she's the worst. Well, no, Jessica's the worst, but Amy's pretty bad in her own way. At least Jessica sometimes is interesting with her outrageous schemes. That's true. (laughs) So they meet their dates and Charlie is dressed as a pirate and Jester, surprise, thinks kind of a nice looking pirate at that. Yeah, so she's like, look, he's not classically handsome. He has a bumpy nose and he's too thin and his eyes are spaced close together. But there was something very appealing about yeah. all the space. And he's really funny. He is. He's very charming and uh, and he's great crack like, so they're having great fun. Yeah. Uh, but uh, poor old Brooke can't really keep up with the conversation at all. No. And Charlie thinks that Amy's car is like dressed as sort of a parody of a cheerleader, which he thinks is brilliant, but of course she doesn't understand (laughs) yeah like Amy and Brooke are kind of made for each other (laughs) yeah oh I actually thought this was going to be you know could go somewhere interesting where Jess could actually be with somebody who and you know we've all been there but there's somebody who's just good looking enough that if they're funny and charming you'll fancy them absolutely yeah it happens (laughs) it's it's probably the most common way for you know for people to suddenly for people to grow on you and Definitely, you sort of think this yeah. might actually happen to Jessica for once in her life. But uh, <laughs> no, he's suddenly more into Amy. And I have to say, you are too good for both of them, Charlie. Oh, like, yeah, very true. Yeah, so it was Jessica's kind of original scheme, which was to have both lads fawning over her and Amy yeah. being left out in the cold has backfired. And they're both into Amy and neither of them are into Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> So Liz and Todd are dressed as Romeo and Juliet. I mean, uh, as those Sylvanian family showed us, that does not end well. It sure doesn't, I'll tell you. <laughs> and uh, Shakespeare would say, all's well that ends well. Um, and Liz remarks to Jess that that pirate's kind of cute. And Jess agrees, but he can't, she can't understand why he's not more into her, especially given her awesome outfit. What I mean, I mean oh. it's... <laughs> You'll hear about it in a minute, listeners. <laughs> it's amazing. So she decides she's had it with men. She's into politics. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, she says that uh, you and Steve might not care that, uh, that Daddy's a serious candidate for mayor of Sweet Valley, but I do. So she decides she's going to devote every waking minute to helping him win his campaign. 
So, um, yeah, she's going to throw herself into this and uh, it's politics for Jess now. No more chasing boys. Yeah, of course, it's all about spite because we're told once she was the mayor's daughter, everyone, especially Charlie and Amy, will be sorry they ignored her. Like, Charlie is not going to give a shit. I mean, Amy is probably shallow enough to care about something like this, but... Like, I would be amazed if Charlie even turns up in the next book, to be honest. Like, I feel like we're done with this guy. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, because he had potential. True, yeah. Uh, but that is the end of Who's to Blame. That's it, yeah. So again, we had one thing resolved at least, which was the whole Charlie yeah, situation. But uh, But uh, yeah, Ned and Alice are still... Uh, not on the rocks anyway, but still not together yeah. again yet. And the so mayoral stuff is still chuntering on. Jesus, they're really tearing the air out of that. They, yeah. Oh, they are. Well, can you read us out, please? Yes. Uh, okay. God, who cares? <laughs> Will Mr. Wakefield really be elected mayor of Sweet Valley? Well, he's like... not mayor for most of the series, so spoiler Indeed. alert. Ugh, so no. find out in Sweet Valley High number 67, The Parent Plot. <gasps> Where could they possibly have got that name from? Hmm. I guess the parent trap was yeah. trademarked. Yes. <laughs> I think it might have been. Parent trap's bad. almost better, actually. Hmm. Bit of alliteration there. Yeah, that's true. Well, I know you've got some stats and outfits. <laughs> you know I do. Uh, go on. Um, okay, now some of them you're not going to be too happy with <gasps> because the blondness only got one mention. What? Wow, I am genuinely oh. surprised. I thought there would be more. Well, you're not going to like this because the blue green eyes once again got no mentions. What? I don't. I don't know how this happened. But yeah, that's 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 the story. <laughs> I'm I am sorry to report. Actually, speechless. None. <laughs> I know. It's the second time in sixty six books that this has happened. <laughs> so didn't um, how wasn't there quite a lot of descriptions in the in in last week's episode? There were actually. Uh, let me see. Can I find it in my little, my little my little book of facts? Yeah, actually, last time around, the blue green eyes got three, and the blondness got like six. So we were kind of <gasps> yeah over the top. I on suppose both. yeah. We so it's all balanced out now. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, but then uh, Liz has a single tear go down her cheek twice. Oh, that's good. Uh, I don't think that's ever her, happened to me. And her eyes filled with tears four times. Oh. Oh, I know. Very sad. Oh, Liz. Uh, That's a lot of but, crying. Uh, but to cheer you up, <gasps> the outfits. Yes. <laughs> Go on. Um, okay, so at one point, let's see. We've got. Okay, we'll start with the kind of less exciting ones, which are still quite good, just you know, in relation to what's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so Todd, uh, at one point, wears a maroon and blue plaid flannel shirt that <gasps> apparently Liz is super fond of. Oh. Uh, so he's like a lovely lumberjack. Um, then let me see. Oh, Jessica. Oh, my God. So, yeah, her roller rink date. Um, she has when she's getting ready and Amy's very impressed by her outfit. She's wearing a suede vest and Western looking jeans ah! that she bought that morning at the mall. I'm actually stomping my feet with excitement. <laughs> like not just a suede vest, oh. but Western looking jeans too. Holy oh, shit. You, I'm imagining it. she's wearing cowboy boots as well. She has to be. She simply has to be. I mean, there's just no way she's not. <laughs> like, I want to be a cowboy, baby. Massive vibes. Oh, wow. Well, there are more outfits, are there not? There sure are. <laughs> okay, so uh, fake Charlie, when he turns up uh, for the date. Uh, is this the sushi? <laughs> yeah, this is the sushi date rather than yeah. the, the roller rink one. He comes in looking super handsome, apparently, in a leather jacket, a denim shirt and grey <gasps> trousers. 
<laughs> the combo. Ah, yeah. the color. It's the it's the gray. Mm. Yeah. Oh, good lord. It, it, it's a lot of different textures, none of which seem to go together. But yeah, that's uh that's what happened there. Um Jessica, when she susses out what Liz is wearing, and it's a typically boring Liz outfit, uh, when she's impersonating her for Todd, she uh, Liz has, uh, she's wearing blue jeans and a white cotton sweater with her hair back in a French braid. Oh, so, you know, she... at, least it's, at least it's not chinos. So that's oh, I suppose, exciting yeah, we'll take our, take our, our pleasure, sartorial pleasures where we can find them. <laughs> then, okay, so the costume party. So oh, we know that oh, Liz... Oh. We know that Liz and Todd went as Romeo and Juliet, but they don't really tell us anything about what the outfits are like, which is yeah. That's I feel that's a missed opportunity. I guess I guess she's wearing what they call Juliet cap, like a little sort of velvety, you know, skull cap. Okay, that's sort of a traditional Juliet. I did Romeo and Juliet for my my inter the pre junior Uh search in the olden days. Okay, and uh, yes, I saw plenty of photos and various advertised versions of it. So I'm guessing that's it. But like, it's Todd wearing like doublet and hose. I mean, that's kind of what you'd assume, really, isn't it? Like to be honest, my only reference points for Romeo and Juliet, I didn't do it in school, so my only reference points are like Baz Luhrmann and the window down the road from the (laughs) Pennsylvania families in it. The two greatest (laughs) versions of all time. Iconic. Um, Definitely are. Okay. So, so I'm guessing that's what she's wearing. I'm imagining Todd prancing around in tights. Yeah, you'd kind of have to. Mm. Um, so, oh yes, Brooke uh, has turned up, who's fake Charlie. Uh, he apparently, poor Brooke, he's as plastic as ever, apparently, but looking gorgeous in a golfer's sweater, madras pants, and a white cap. And he says, I'm a country club type. <laughs> you know? It's like, okay. <laughs> There's a touch of the um, like Ralph Wiggum about him. I think. Oh, there it is. <laughs> um, but okay, like obviously the pièce de résistance and most amazing thing oh is my Jessica's, God. Jessica's costume is just. <laughs> you know, I, was, I was going to say, I, I, it's stellar, which is what came to mind oh, without even meaning to do a pun. But that's nice. that's very much what it is. So Jessica thought her costume was fantastic, and she's not wrong. <gasps> She had dressed as an intergalactic princess <gasps> with lots of foil in her hair and a wonderful silver cape she had borrowed from Lila. I, I just love the idea that Lila has a silver cape just <laughs> lying around. Oh, you need a cape? Which one? The silver one? Of course. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, so apparently her cape looks wonderful and she spent hours twisting her hair up in silver foil. Oh, like, my God. Jessica, bravo. You're a mad bitch, but you give good costume. I will give you that. <laughs> she genuinely, and also she keeps it at times of stress later on after uh, after she feels that Charlie has, and Amy and other Charlie are slighting her. She, uh, she sort of was twisting the foil in her hair and flinging it around in rage. <laughs> Swishing around in her cape. <laughs> Most unimpressed. Oh, oh, I think, yeah, that makes up for a lot. It does, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, who cares about blue-green eyes when you've got an intergalactic princess on the scene? Good point. <laughs> so, uh, is, is that it for outfits? I mean, I've had... That, that is... Yeah, day. I mean... There's been so many of them. There was so many, but yeah, like that, that was the one to end on for sure, because there's no topping that, let's face it. <laughs> no, I'm, there just isn't. That's... <laughs> oh, well, listeners, do you have thoughts about uh, who's to blame in the Wakefield uh, <laughs> menage? Did you 
ever go to a, cost, a fancy dress party or a costume party um, in, uh, in school. Because sadly, I don't think I did. No, like would have been college. Well, I mean, yeah. other than like Halloween parties. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, but they were more. But not like a, a school thing. No. Dress, I don't think. No. Um, were you pleased to see the return of Mr. Collins? Oh, how could you not be? If you weren't, you're lying. True. <laughs> Because we certainly were. Yeah. Um, let us know what you thought of this and uh, any other episode. We always love hearing from you. And, uh, you know, getting we learn a lot, like all the stuff about party lines. I mean, it's, it's basically a cultural exchange at this point between us and our American listeners. <laughs> You know, it's a, it's an education for us doing this podcast. And if you would like to educate us some more, you can find us on uh, Twitter at SVH Podcast. You can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us on Instagram where Karen is, as ever, <laughs> share, uh, doing some sterling work with her graphics, little video clips or audio clips. Um, the famous James Matthews inspiration pictures are going from strength to strength. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to enjoy. So um, head on over and let us know what you think. And of course, you can support us at Headstuff Plus. And that is very easy. Just go to headstuffpodcasts.com and join us there where you will get an episode next week of, uh, of our brand new uh, sister podcast, Pi Beta Alpha. And just tell you that the next episode has a, a school production, a Shakespearean school production. Oh, we're very on theme yeah. these days, aren't we? <laughs> I have a synchronicity there, but this has to be seen to be believed. Is that fair to say, Karen? I think that is more than fair, yes. yes. <laughs> so we're going to be watching episode four. If you would like to uh, watch the episode before you listen to the podcast, you can find it on YouTube very easily. So uh, just be prepared to have um, have your minds blown by a Sweet Valley stage production. Uh, <laughs> it's... It, you know, you hear what the title is and then you still just don't expect it to go the direction it does. No, this one was called Critical Mess. And a mess <laughs> it indeed was. In so many ways. <laughs> so if you want to hear what we thought of it, you can join us on Headstuff Plus and you will get your top secret fee um, link to a fee the podcast feed uh, for the bonus episodes. Um, so with Pi Beta Alpha members, we will see you next week. And everybody else, we will see you in two weeks when we find out what happens when the Wakefields begin uh, scheming and plan <laughs> the parent plot. Nice. Very well done. Thank you. I was sort of losing the way of it a bit there, but, you know, brought we it always back. pull it back. Thank you. <laughs> see you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 
Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com. We are professional grade.